All right, good morning, everybody. I am planning on doing a Facebook Live this morning as well. Let's see if I can get this going. Last time I did this, my camera, or rather my phone, overheated. So we'll see if it works this time. Hey, uh, if you are there, I am starting a uh, live pod, a, a uh, what do you call it, Facebook Live, along with the podcast that I've always done. I see Isaac's here. Hey, Isaac, how you doing, buddy? <coughs> Miss you. We need to play some chess. Uh, so today I actually have, which is kind of rare for me. Uh, a topic that's already on my mind uh, that I wanted to talk about. It came up a little bit on Facebook recently, but it's something that I've talked about <clears throat> in depth in the past. Uh, and the the it's going to stem from... Oh, you know what? I was going to put in my... You see how this works. hoping that it would switch to the microphone on my, I don't know if it has, but, well, I got a minute. I'm going to stop and make sure this is working well. So if you're listening, I may stop and restart this uh, Facebook Live just to get it going. I'm kind of ahead of time here. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Hey, Isaac, can you tell me if you hear the microphone on my on my uh, AirPod, uh, what do you call this thing? Yeah, AirPods, right? Or on the phone. This is the phone. This is the AirPod. I wonder which one it's going to. I really want it on the AirPod, that way I can turn on the air conditioner. Huh, well, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, so I do this, uh, podcast just about every week. I have over 200 episodes. I can hear you fine. All right. 
Oh, you think it's on the phone, not the AirPod. Huh. Well, how would I switch that? Oh, well, maybe too late. We'll just go with it. Usually the mic on the iPhone is just great. So, uh, yeah, I do this uh, <clears throat> podcast about once a week. I have uh, going into my fifth or sixth year now, I can't remember, but uh, it's called Driving Theology, and, and basically it's me driving to work and, and talking about things vaguely theological, not always theological, but, you know, usually we get there somehow. Uh you'll have to deal with a lot of the noises that happen in a normal car. That's just how it is. Uh, This contraption that you see up here is the microphone that I usually record on. So that's also recording right now for the uh, SoundCloud iTunes version of the podcast. But uh, anyway, so what came up on Facebook today was uh, a... It was on an organic church site, and they were talking about uh, the book The Shack, right? Somebody brought it up and just said, what do you think about it? Uh, of course, uh, this book divides a lot of people. Um, but one of, the, one of the themes in The Shack is a, a concept of justice, right? The Shack has a concept of justice that, that a lot of people myself included, believe is very, uh, very theologically sound, um, but that doesn't mean that it's embraced by the Christian world at large. In fact, it isn't embraced by the Christian world at large, I would say, uh, this concept of, of justice. And I think, I think I, I can sum up uh, this concept of God's justice very succinctly and that is God's justice is merciful and his mercy is just God's justice is merciful and his mercy is just and so what that tells us is that whatever justice is to us uh, it doesn't seem to live up to that right we wouldn't we wouldn't say that mercy and justice are synonymous, right? Uh, but I believe that that uh, you can find this in the Bible, especially uh, in the character of Christ. Um, and you know, one could make the argument that that Christ came uh, to end this uh, corrupt, um, corrupt these corrupt ideas of justice. Right, and that, and that. So he, as a an innocent person, died at the hands of, quote unquote, justice. Right, um, he died at the hands of of the law, the people in power, um, both religious and political, uh, killed him. Right, and so he exposed, he exposed, uh, human justice for what it is, not just at all. It's not just at all. Uh, and so Christ opens up the door for us to explore what justice actually might be, right? Maybe we've gotten it wrong all this time. You know, maybe there's something more um, to justice. Maybe when the Bible talks about justice, whether it's the 
Old Testament prophets uh, or the New Testament uh, apostles and disciples, maybe they mean something completely different than what we mean when we talk about justice. Uh, I really wasn't going to get into the book The Shack very much, but I don't know if you remember, but The Shack basically is about a a father, uh, a a family really, but mostly through the the figure of the father uh, whose son dies um, while he's very young. And of course, this causes uh, him to spiral, right? Uh, This causes him to question God and God's God's methods, right? Uh, and and what it what it also does eventually, um, which leads to him finding the shack, <clears throat> is he gets to talk about God face to face about it, right? He gets to really, really try to see things from God's point of view. And of course, the book is allegorical. It's not, it's not scripture per se. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not scripture per se. Uh, it is it is allegorical, right? It's, it's a it's a an, an extended parable. <clears throat> uh, but what it gets down to is that the book exposes our inadequate concept of God, right? Our, most most of us have a very well, all of us probably, on some level or another, heaven. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's probably getting old. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Where our concept of God needs work. Let me turn down the fan a little bit. It's getting a little cooler in here. Where the concept of God... uh, just doesn't quite measure up is that we have this idea that God is in control, right? Uh, and and if the concept is God is in control, what we're saying is that God uh, could do anything he wants, right? If God has complete control, then God uh, can do whatever he wants, right? He can stop whatever he wants. He can make whatever he wants happens. And a lot of people think that's what God does, that he's just this puppet master uh, pulling strings and pushing buttons and blowing whistles and and doing all kinds of things and making the world basically go the way he wants it to go. Uh, and the, the, the shack, in my in my opinion, the, the and I haven't read it in a while or seen the movie in a while, so I guess I should kind of tread lightly about what I say about the shack. Uh, but basically it challenges our... Um, notions of who God is. Uh, I don't want to get into that specific thing, but I do want to talk about why God's um, <clears throat> why God's concept of justice may be completely different than what we uh, talk about. And this is gonna this is not uh, going to sit right with a lot of conservative people. I'll just say that you know right at the beginning. I grew up very conservative and was extremely conservative. I'm probably still somewhat conservative compared to others. 
Uh, I was conservative for a long time. Uh, but I've, you know, certain things have, have caused me to question uh, some of the, some of, well, what the, <laughs> I can't even call them traditional views of God because I believe they, they came about after better views of God. So they're not the most traditional, but they were in my tradition, let's say that. Um, <clears throat> okay, so back to justice. God's justice is merciful and his mercy is just, right? And basically what this means is that justice is mercy, right? Mercy is just for God to show mercy to everyone, to anyone uh, who asks for it and who wants it and who needs it, which is basically every person on the planet, that's just. Why would that be just? Why would it be just for God to show mercy to everyone? Well, I, I kind of have my own little concept about this, and, and I'm not sure it's correct, and so I'm going to lay it out today. I may have alluded to it before in other podcasts, uh, but basically it's, 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 it's a legal argument. <clears throat> it's a legal argument. So John Calvin brought a lot of uh, legalism into Christianity because he approached Christianity as a lawyer. He was a lawyer, and so that was his perspective. And so when he came to the Bible uh, and came to faith, he brought a lot of his um, lawyering, right? His, his lawyer eyes with him. So when he read scripture, uh, instead of seeing grace uh, in certain places, maybe he saw uh, legalism, right? And, and we do know that John Calvin's version, Calvinism, Christianity, also called the Reformed Church today, they are a bit more of a legalistic kind of a bent, right? Um, <clears throat> to, to the point where, you know, to please God, uh, you you do have certain requirements and things you have to do to please him, right? Um, <clears throat> see, I'm totally on the opposite spectrum now. I was on that, you know, I rode that train for a long time, uh, thinking that, you know, what I had, there were certain things I had to do to please God, and there were certain things I was doing that were not pleasing to God, and that uh, God somehow, his his opinions of me changed by my behavior or my beliefs uh, and now you know I've, I've come to a completely different way of thinking about that um, alright so back to I have to keep going back to, to stay on topic God's justice is merciful so we were all born Right, we all came into the world, but none of us chose to be born. None of us chose to be born. Somebody made the choice for us to be born, whether on purpose or accidental. But they, they still made a choice, right? Uh, either to have a child or to have sex. Uh, but we didn't make that choice ourselves, right? That's not something that we uh, chose. We did not choose to be born. Therefore, we did not choose to be born to the parents we were born to, nor to the city or the country or the, the religion in which we were born. 
we were not able to choose any of the variables that affected our life most deeply, right? Uh, some of us uh, may have been born to very gentle, generous, loving, uh, godly parents who loved us unconditionally and brought us up in a way that prepared us to be able to make great decisions uh, and therefore we are not uh, addicts, uh, we are not liars, we are not thieves, uh, we, we uh, don't have any weaknesses whatsoever uh, because our parents uh, were who they were, right? But it's sort of, you know, if you think about it, it's, 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 it's sort of a crapshoot, right? It's, it's, it's like playing roulette with people's lives. There are other people that were born to a single parent, even a single abusive parent, possibly a single abusive poor parent uh, who worshiped Satan and was dishonest. And so that person and their starting point in life uh, is way different, way different uh, than the starting point of somebody else, right? Uh, and they have been dealt a particularly crappy set of cards, right? Going back to the gambling metaphor. <laughs> At no fault of their own and through no choices of their own, this is their starting point in life. Now, Richard Dawkins talks about, you know, I believe it was Dawkins. It could have been Hitchens. These are two of the new, new atheist, uh, basically gods of new atheism, if you will. Hitchens is passed on, but uh, you know, they talked about how, you know, pretty much if you are Christian, it's because you were born in a Christian country. That's why you're Christian. And, you know, that, that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but you really have to scratch your head and go, well, yeah, that's obviously true. And I didn't choose that, right? That wasn't a choice that I made to be born and to have uh, that. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in the word privilege. This may cause some of you guys to click off right away, but I do believe in the concept of white privilege. I believe that certain people were born uh, with an advantage in the world, and they're pretty much blind to that advantage, uh, and yet they, they take advantage of that advantage. How many times can I say advantage in the same sentence? They take advantage uh, of that situation that they were born into while not considering that there may be other people who don't have that privilege, who have a harder time in life, therefore uh, are going to live in a way, possibly, make choices possibly that they wouldn't have made, right? The, the white privilege is a thing. I think it's so obviously a thing, but so is Christian privilege. Now, Christian privilege, <clears throat> I, I may be... <laughs> I may be uh, coining a phrase here. I've never heard it put this way. And this just came into my head, which is why I like this kind of stream of consciousness type of uh, talking that I do in driving theology. Anyway, so Christian privilege would be that, you know, of course you have, if, if you think the whole world needs to be Christian, if you were born to Christian parents in a Christian country, or at least a country that claims to be Christian, then you, you have an immense privilege in the world, right? You, you, if, if you believe that 
to be right with God, you have to be a Christian, right? Uh, I'll I'll get to that later, and and you could also listen to a few more of my podcasts if you want to figure out maybe what I think about that. Even though, yeah, maybe someday I should make an index. Um. So you did not choose to be born into that privilege and probably most of the people that are on this podcast right now uh, in some way or another have have Christian privilege they were born into or at least in close proximity to and it gave you a better possibility to become a Christian to know Christ to become a Christian to join a church uh, if you were born in an Islamic country uh, it could be quite difficult for you to ever even hear the name Jesus, much less, yeah, of course, I know that Islamic people revere Jesus, Isa, I believe they call him, Isa, uh, as a prophet, not not as uh, the son of God, but as a prophet. Anyway, the, the, the infinitesimal, the infinitesimal possibility that you will ever hear anything close to to the gospel means that you were born without much of a chance to ever know Jesus by no fault or no choice of your own. By no choice of your own. No fault of your own. Okay? That's just where you were born. Um, people no I don't want to go there yet so this is what I mean about justice is merciful right God's justice is merciful in other words he forgives he forgives everything and that's merciful because because of the of the unlikely unlikeliness unlikelihood unlike is that even a word because it's so unlikely that we would ever find our way to Christ right and those that do um, are very fortunate indeed I believe and have every advantage in the world um, not to be used for your own good but to be used for the good of the world uh, I believe that those who do find their way to Christ, and I'm going to make that point to Christ and not Christianity. Okay, I'm going to make a little bit of a separation there. I think have every advantage. But the, the possibility that some people will ever, even if they hear the name of Christ, <clears throat> and this has been happening a lot lately, uh, the people that stormed the castle were also proclaiming the name of Jesus. <clears throat> people got killed there. It's a horrible thing. Okay? <clears throat> now, you may counter with all kinds of other things against the other side. I'm not trying to pick sides here. Uh, I believe that no political side is ever going to understand the gospel or who Christ is. I'll just put that out there. <clears throat> Sorry, I got something still stuck in my throat. Can't get it out. Okay. 
So the possibility is little to none that you are going to find your way to a true understanding of the gospel and a true understanding of the person of Christ. And if you do, and if you have, and if you're on that journey, if you're closer than others, you are truly fortunate. And that, if, if, you know, that is going to benefit all the people around you, and it's going to benefit the world. <clears throat> but I believe that God's justice is merciful for this exact point, that we didn't choose, we didn't, we didn't sign a contract uh, that said, hey, uh, if, if you will let me be born, I will serve you all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. So help me God, right? None of us took that oath before we were born. We were born into situation. And to top it all off, we were born completely ignorant and dependent and weak and immobile, right? And so we have to depend on all the people around us, whatever whatever context we happen to be thrown into, <clears throat> we had to depend on those people and learn from those people, right? We didn't know right from wrong. We didn't know good from evil. Whoever was around us at the time of our birth and through our our you know um, childhood, first three or four years of our life, of course, are very very uh, formative, right? Um, we conformed to those people, whoever they were. And psychology tells us that that's who we are today. Whoever we were around at that time in our life is who we have become today. Again, through no fault of your own. No fault of your own. Um, <clears throat> now, I don't want to discount the transformation that Christ can do in us and does do in us. Um, in fact, I would say that Christ's love um, is manifest in the fact that we are transformed. In, in other words, we know that Christ's love exists because we change, right? Christ's love changes us. Uh, we become more like him. Not because, not because we're trying so hard, although trying, there's nothing wrong with trying. Uh, it's because we lean into and believe in his promises that, that he loves us and that he has forgiven us and he accepts us no matter what. That there is nothing that we can do to lose his love. Nothing, absolutely nothing. We could deny him like Peter, we could crucify him like the Romans. There's nothing we can do to lose the love of Christ. Now, we may deny the love of Christ exists. We may continue pushing it away, and that's part of our free will, right? We have the will to reject the love of Christ. But remember, <clears throat> the majority of the world will never hear the pure gospel. Let's say it that way, the pure gospel. The majority of the world will never understand the love of Christ. And yet, God's justice is merciful and his mercy is, is just, right? Now, the other, the other, another way of looking at this merciful justice 
is the concept of reconciliation. That justice, when God uses justice, he's always using it in a reconciling way. That if he wants to come in and judge, okay, judge someone's sin, it is always in the purpose so that man can be reconciled again with man and thereby be reconciled with God, right? We reconcile with God by being reconciled with each other, I believe, right? That's why Jesus said, his last commandment that he said is a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another, right? That's his new commandment. Um, And I believe that commandment supersedes all the others. Uh, And I I think I've done a podcast about that as well. But yes, of course, love God and love your neighbor. But I believe that is all concept. That is, that is all, um, that entire, those two concepts, uh, you can put into one concept and that is love one another, right? Uh, I believe we, uh, I mean, God doesn't need our love, right? He doesn't need it. God doesn't need anything from us. There's nothing we can do. I mean, you know, what are you going to do for God that he can't do for himself? And that Christ is already doing for the Father and doing for the Holy Spirit and vice versa, right? They, they are already, they are already the, the embodiment of love, right? Their very essence is love. And, every, and, and everything that they are is bound up in love and cannot ever contradict love, Right? Hate does not exist in love. Uh, Human justice does not exist in love. Human judgment, human punishment does not exist in love. Everything that is in love cannot contradict it, right? Therefore, justice, God's justice, is part of his love. His mercy is part of his love, right? His discipline is in his love, right? These are all... These are all things that exist in love, uh, but do not ever um, go against it, right? They, they don't... Sorry, I lost the word. So, reconciliation, right? Let's say for, for you know, just the sake of argument that we do need to talk about somebody's sin, right? That, that somebody has done something in our community that does need to be talked about, right? Now, oftentimes, in, in the way that humans talk about these things, we, we talk about, <clears throat> um, you know, we, we talk about punishment. Somebody needs to be punished. They need to pay for what they did, right? They need to pay for what they did. Uh, and then maybe they can, you know, come back into the community, so, but we'll see, right? Maybe there'll always be this distance, right? Um, but I, I believe Jesus's, Christ's reconciliation is all about, hey, we are all flawed. Uh, we all are in need of reconciliation. Let's allow the transformative love of Christ to permeate everybody, and let's just trust Christ through all this that we can trust one another. Yeah, I, I, okay, I, there are some sticky places. <clears throat> Abusive relationships between parents and children, uh, between uh, spouses. Um, 
Yeah, th- those things, maybe distance has to happen. Maybe reconciliation will take a long time. Uh, maybe maybe it won't even happen in this life, right? I, I don't want to say that if you are in an abusive relationship with a spouse, um, that you have to um, somehow put up with it to forgive, to reconcile. No, there may be space that needs to happen there. And I would say almost always there's space that needs to be happened at least for a time. That needs to happen at least for a time. Uh, And the great thing about this concept of justice is that no matter how bad you screw up, you receive mercy. It It doesn't matter. Let's say... Let's say you divorce your husband because you've had an affair or something like this, right? And you've gone off and and then, you know, each of you have started living different lives. And even if you wanted to be reconciled back together, it's just not feasible, right? There's always mercy in front of you. You don't have to go back and fix everything. Now, is there benefit in going back and fixing things? Of course there is. Of course there is. It's hard to do. But of course, there's benefit to being reconciled in that way. But to be reconciled with your fellow man is not the same thing as being reconciled with Christ. I believe Christ reconciled us with him, right? From his point of view, it's done, right? It is finished, as he said on the cross, right? His work is finished. Uh, And so... I guess what I, what I really want to get to today and what I want to say today uh, is that uh, 